you're listening to the Soul Yoga Podcast, a podcast for the modern mystic mama. I'm your host, Amanda Aaron, soul guide at Soul Yoga Retreat. I invite you to take a breath for your body, mind, and soul. Retreat from the mind movies. Break away from stress and anxiety. Root down and ground yourself into Pachamama, Mama Earth. Join me for a journey to live from our highest selves. Through ritual and ceremony, we create sacred space together. We hold space. We create a safe container to evolve. This podcast is a space where I authentically share my journey, the good, the bad, and everything in between. It is a space where I guide the modern mystic mama to reconnect with Mama Earth. Honoring the turn of the wheel, we use plants, astrology, and kundalini yoga to break old belief systems to move towards soul-level transformation. By uniting body, mind, and spirit, we become present, enjoying each moment fully, and embodying our highest selves. Welcome to this space. Okay, so we're going to try this podcast recording as I'm walking to the train uh, to go to the office for the day. I've just been having so many things come up lately and I have not made the time to journal and so this is as therapeutic for me as it could be potentially for you, learning and growing experience. Uh, The audio is probably not going to be great because there's going to be traffic, so we'll just have to work with whatever presents. (coughs) Oh, God. Okay, so my experience of motherhood has been through COVID, time of great isolation and I sincerely feel that the government has failed us government institutions everything you know a mother's postpartum period needs people needs village it needs community it needs that in-person support there is just no way that tech and virtual is going to cut it um That's been my experience. So what I experienced in my own childhood journey of what, you know, creating that first model of what motherhood could look like, should look like, is, um, you know, we grew up in the country, pretty isolated from people. Uh, Very few neighbors had kids our age. And... None of them shared our same values, and so we very rarely uh, played with our neighbor kids. And, you know, each each lot in the subdivision was multiple acres. Um, So it wasn't until we were, God, until I was starting to babysit 12, 13 years old that I even was allowed to walk over to my neighbors alone. It was just, you know, we were spread out. So it was, in a sense, isolating. And my whole childhood, I 
watched my mom struggle with depression. Um, at one point, she did take an antidepressant medication, and we called them her happy pills. And my dad just did not have a maturity around understanding mental illness and really not berated my mom, but just, you know, talked about it in such silliness that it downplayed the seriousness of those not good feelings. And so that was also difficult to watch. Um, And because we lived so far out in the country, it took a long time to drive to anything, any activity that we girls, um, my younger sister and I wanted to do. And so um, as we were getting older, my mom put a limit on, you know, one extracurricular activity each. I could pick one thing. My sister could pick one thing that was after school. That was something that my mom had to drive to. And for me, most of the time, I chose my drama groups that I was in. I did a lot of acting, a lot of plays. Um, before grade 12 was out, I even did some directing. I don't think I ever wrote. I didn't, I didn't write a play. I just directed um, some film as well. I remember doing a movie when I was about 14. That was pretty cool. And... Um, You know, it was pretty much that and possibly a church activity. So Friday night was youth youth group at church. Um, So one extracurricular, one church thing was both Friday evenings for both my sister and me in our different age groups. Um, And that was kind of the max driving that she was willing to do. So these are, you know, these are some of the boundaries as a child. I'm seeing that motherhood... Um, has or operates or, you know, moms have some boundaries. That's what I grew up learning for driving. You know, my mom wasn't going to break her back for us kids because, you know, takes a lot of gas and a lot of time and it's it's exhausting to do that much driving. So I understood that as a kid. I I didn't have that kind of unrealistic expectation on my mom. But even just earlier this week, I was talking to my mom and she's like, oh yeah, when you were three, um, we had you in this little tap dance thing so you could, you know, play and socialize with girls your own age. And then, um, when you were four, we had moved. And so you did this other dance thing. And, you know, when you were five, you went into figure skating for that winter. And I remember telling my mom, you know, I distinctly remember figure skating at the age of five because I was in kindergarten that year kind of my first school experience and then um, I remember the teacher's name was Amanda so I got that little you know certificate of participation uh, medal at the end of the whatever winter season for figure skating and I remember like smiling outwardly and like being so thankful and gracious to my teacher and inwardly feeling like I will never see you again because your name is Amanda And I don't like that, so I'm not doing figure skating again. And that was, like, at the age of five, very, you know, nope, I don't like you. I can do it. (laughs) That's just how it was. 
my mom said, you know, for a couple of years, my sister did this um, rhythmic gymnastics, which was just like shaking around these ribbons and running around a gymnasium, like how, how great for, you know, just to do that little thing and dance to music or whatever. For many years, my sister did sewing for a couple of years. Um, she did violin, but that was, that ended terribly. Um, and, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so I've always taken piano lessons. So I guess we had piano, one extracurricular, and youth. Wow, that actually adds up to like quite a lot. I never really thought of it that way. So this is the example that I see for what motherhood is. This is my standard. This is my baseline, you know, kind of what my mom showed me. I remember when I was a kid, we had these, like, um, family groups that we would go to. I think they were called care groups. Basically, like a Bible study for adults. But, you know, they bring all your kids, and all the kids kind of, play in the basement and hopefully one family has like older kids and they can kind of watch the younger ones while the adults are upstairs or in another room kind of doing their their study their discussion i loved this time as a kid god i just loved to play with other people's toys you know like how fun is that um and i i don't know i just i don't think i ever thought of it as like oh, good, my parents are socializing, or, I mean, my mom is socializing, like, my dad was a long-haul truck driver, so he was frequently uh, gone from the house, and very infrequently do I remember him being home much, um, so, like, I never really thought of it as, like, God, my mom needs to socialize, or, like, you know, maybe the reason why she's so depressed is because she's alone all the frickin' time. Like, her husband's not in the house, and she's isolated, just living remotely. And I never thought about that. I never connected that at all. But, you know, perhaps her, her depression was just due to social isolation. And, you know, I don't know that she would have been able to verbalize that either, you know, to communicate it in that way, to realize, you know, to connect the dots, to see, oh, this is cause and effect of, you know, what's going on in the way that I'm choosing to live my life. But also being in that place of social isolation right now, God, I just understand how hard it is to change. You know, how hard it is to reach out, to change your routine, like, our routine is so comfortable because, I don't know, because it's a known, because if we do something different, maybe I think it'll shake things up and be, I don't know, unreliable and consistent. People, maybe people will cancel. I, I don't know. I don't know why it's so hard for me to wrap my head around doing something to be more social, like in an authentic way where I can connect with somebody else. Yeah, there's some organized groups, and to be honest, I haven't even looked up like any mom playdates or kid groups or whatever for the area because 
because I seriously doubt that anyone will share my values and to sit and talk to somebody who I sincerely do not click with, I feel so exhausted even by the thought of it that I just can't bring myself to inauthentic connection in order to start to fill that social void. So there have been a few connections with like-minded people on Instagram and actually I wrote one lady a letter, put it in the mail, see if um, you know, that type of communication will will grow, will blossom, will be fulfilling. Um, because the other thing is, you know, it's so great to meet in peop in person, but when you're connecting with people online, it's very rare that they live close to you, close enough to visit. It was a reasonable distance that you can get back home in the same day. You know what I'm talking about? Like, man, it's just a big deal. So, so these, this is kind of my example of motherhood, like social isolation, um, depression, um, you know, actually, now that I think about it, actually driving a fair amount more than I'm sure that my mom wanted. And I never felt as a kid, like, overwhelmed at the commitment. I never felt like I shouldn't be doing those things, like I needed rest. I never felt that way. I never felt the pace was too intense for my little kid body. But I'm sure at some times that my sister did. You know, we are two very different people. And I'm sure it was a pace that was not exactly sustainable for my mom. So now enter my own experience of motherhood. and. Just the tearing down of patriarchal and capital values in my own, you know, those capitalism values in my own life before motherhood has led me to a vastly different experience of what I see as the cultural norm. So I would describe the cultural norm of motherhood to be putting the needs of mom completely last, if at all. You know, this is something that most moms, that's the example that they're given. That's the example that they show others how to treat them. You know, kids and husband and household usually comes first before the needs of the mom. Um, so putting others' needs first, yeah, definitely. That's what I, that's what I um, thought that I wasn't going to do. I was like the self-care queen before getting pregnant. And all of a sudden, it is just such a mystery to me. How did this happen? Like, God, I am last in everything. And I don't even have household burdens. Like, Jonathan is the cook and the cleaner in our household. I don't do meal prep. I don't worry about groceries. 
I don't have to think about what we're having for supper. Like, he makes sure that the house is stocked. Every time we go for groceries, he knows what we need. I don't even know. I don't even know what we need. And, you know, that was, well, pretty much growing up with a single parent household. Like, my dad worked full time, but my mom uh, was pretty much un- unemployed. She had, um, she was being married for a few years, but that's, that's another conversation that did not go well for our family. So, so in a single family household, of course, my mom's doing all the dishes and, and the cooking and, you know, the driving and discipline, child rearing, making sure that the homework's done. My mom does all, all of this. This is my example. Um, so in our dynamic, you know, um, w- between my husband and I, it's completely different. Jonathan is home all the time. He's full-time dad now. Um, you know, after my mat leave was over, he quit his job. He's been full-time since, full-time dad since February 10, 2021. And it was really weird for me having Jonathan home full-time before I went back to work because man, I'm just like, uh, you're in my hair, you're in my way, I can't do things the way that I want, you know, it's just like, oh my god, I feel this, like, intense need to uh, please him, I don't know if it's necessarily people-pleasing, or just, like, not wanting to be, uh, pointed out with his dissatisfaction (laughs) I don't I don't want to paint the wrong picture but my husband is a very particular OCD person and so learning to live you know together and not separated 10 hours a day by both being at different jobs it was very different um, and now that we've had some personal growth, I am learning to, well, un- unlearn the things that I allowed myself to be programmed and sensitive to. There were many, many things that Jonathan expressed his position on very articulately and naggingly and completely wore me down to the point that I just stopped sharing my opinion like what does it even matter you know he's more articulate than I am he's um he has more energy more passion behind it like I I just not must be I must be not a very convicted person because he is so passionate about these things, and I am not. Like, fuck, I could care less about some of these things. If it's an issue for him, whatever. I'll just change the way that I that I operate in the household. Like, it's not that big of a deal to me. But in recent conversations, you know, I'll just sit there, and I'll be bawling my eyes out, and... He's like, well, clearly it's important to you because you're crying and you've withheld sharing for so long that now you're so distraught about the situation that you can barely speak up for yourself. Like, 
hello, clearly it's important to you, so that was a good good reminder, a good reality check to just be like, okay, these little things do matter to me, and I may not have the fortitude to, you know, present my case or whatever to my husband, but I still need to speak my piece and just leave it at that. So, yeah, I would say that I have been operating in a way in my marriage, which places me under oppression. I have oppressed myself. I have oppressed my opinion of parenting, of motherhood. Um, You know, I've oppressed my need for socialization because my husband is antisocial. So, you know, in that regards, our values don't mesh. And I've allowed his needs to trump my own to have a hierarchical hierarchical structure of Jonathan is less emotionally regulated than I am. Therefore, because I am able to more easily emotionally regulate myself, his needs first before my needs. And that has been the way that I've operated as a mom. And I was just like, wow, I used to have such good boundaries, you know, relational boundaries with my own husband before I became a mom. And now that I'm a mom, I'm just like, I just want to nurture everyone and care for everyone and make sure that everyone's needs are just met and satisfied. And, you know, so many times I feel like I don't have the energy to keep doing that. But yet, you know, I haven't really carved out that time to fill up my own cup. There are many self-care things that I do. It's true. Um... But one thing I've realized is that self-care does not replace community. Self-care does not replace socialization. Self-care does not replace quality, soul-level conversation. It does not. It does not replace people. So getting that people time has been extremely challenging for me. I just have no idea, you know, how or when or who or where, you know, all of these things are just total mystery to me. Um, but I'm trying, you know, little by little I'm trying. I honestly feel that like once a week, maybe in the evening, if it's that works out, but once a week, I feel like I need time just to, like, oh, fuck off, you know, just, like, get out of the house, just, like, go do something, and the funny thing that worked a couple weekends ago is I had a couple hours in the afternoon to myself, and I got a Spanish latte, and I went to Palm, the grocery store, you know, like, alternative, whatever, grocery store. And I just walked around their healthcare department like 
looking at all the supplements and all the Ayurvedic root powders and soaps and God, I spent more than an hour in there. I I spent a long time and it was like, I love it, you know, just to like look at stuff without having to pay attention to both my kid and my husband who are equally as needy, let me point out. Um, yeah, it's full time, man, totally. And the thing that I'm realizing is, yeah, okay, my husband is antisocial, but God, he needs to get out of the house. Like, I call it social anxiety. I don't know what he would call it. He would probably not say that it's social anxiety because that infers that it, you know, there's a problem there. He has no problem with being socially anxious. But I see that it wears on him. So obviously, it's having an impact just for him to get out of the house for once a month without me and Forrest, I think would be so life-changing. Just such a change in the dynamic. But when I work during the week, he's full-time dad. And he doesn't get that time to care for the house and do meal prep and, you know, make jam and make bread, all these things. So he does all of that on the weekend. Every weekend he vacuums, every weekend he cleans the entire house, bakes four loaves of bread for the week, sometimes cookies, sometimes makes jam. And it is a lot no word of a lie it is a lot and for years even before Forrest came along he hated weekends because just meant that he's working the whole time so you know when we have this kind of routine it's just like man well when do we get away like I really feel a slave to the house you know the house is just as demanding as my son and my husband. I mean, those cleaning and meal prep items don't weigh heavily on me. I'm not the one responsible for them. And honestly, I'd totally be fine with peanut butter and jam sandwiches like every day. But it weighs on my husband a lot. And because it weighs on him, it weighs on me. And... You know, it's just it's really challenging even to get out as a family on a two-day weekend to take one day to go to the beach for a couple of hours because there's so much other work that needs to be done in the house. And, you know, if Jonathan doesn't do it on the weekend, then when is he going to have time for it? He's full-time dad during the day. When I grew up, I... You know, pretty much only had my mom, and she did everything. So the model to me was moms cook and clean. Uh, Well, my mom did fairly little in the way of cleaning. But, you know, dishes. Dishes, you know, cleaning up the countertops, cleaning the dishes. That was, like, the standard cleaning item. And uh, vacuuming was, like, done once a year. Who knows if it was even that often. 
So low priority on the cleaning, but she did all the cooking and so much baking. We always had baking in the house. We always had pudding. We always had uh, jello and, you know, little yogurts. And there's just so many, like, thoughtful snack things in Tupperware containers, always, my whole childhood. So my baseline is mom does all the child rearing, all the cooking, all the cleaning at the same time. You know, there is no one else to do babysitting while she preps supper. And so my expectation is, okay, the person who does the cooking and the cleaning does so at the same time as taking care of the kids. So for my husband to say that he can only do those things on the weekend, he cannot do those things during the day when he when it's just him and Forrest, I'm thinking like, really? Because my mom did all that stuff all the time, all by herself, you know, with two girls, like two kids, not just one kid. And so, like, is there really no way that you could spread your workout so that you're not spreading yourself so so thin on the weekend? But if the roles were reversed, I feel incapable of doing anything when I have to be watching for it. I have to be. No, it's it's not like that. It's like when it's my responsibility that I'm the main caretaker, parent then I feel incapable to do anything else except for play with him and pay attention to him and watch him. And I think that that boundary line was set when he was really little because he hated being, you know, sitting somewhere and just watching me do stuff. So maybe I could have baby wore him more. I did not do a lot of baby wearing because the only way that he would nap when he was an infant was if he was laying on me. So then it was hours and hours during the day of having a baby on me. And when he was awake, I wanted my independence. I wanted that baby off of me so I could move around more freely. So he spent a lot of time in the lounger, but he got really bored and, you know, cry and moan. So I would take him out and do stuff, play with him, interact with him. Like, I have always been his buddy, his playmate. Um, so when I try and do things, when I've tried to do anything, like read a book or write or sew, hand sewing, sewing at the sewing machine, scrapbooking, whatever it is, you know, it's pretty common that I don't really get much time to do it before he interrupts me because he sees mom as playmate, you know, mom is his buddy, like, why is mom doing these other things to take attention away from him? No, that's not right. Like, mom and Forrest should be playing. We're buddies, of course. So... I understand that that's what I set the dynamic to, and it's really frustrating for me to get anything done when he's around if he is not able to directly participate in the experience. If it's something that we can do together, like 
uh, dusting or, uh, I don't know. I do get my photo albums out from time to time, but I'm sure if I was really scrapbooking and had photos all arranged out on the table and scissors and pencils and pens, I'm sure that would not go well. I haven't tried it yet, but I have a pretty good idea. That's not gonna, not gonna go over well. He loves looking at, you know, the individual pictures and thoroughly spreading them all over the floor and taking them out of order of what I had arranged. But if I was unable to pay attention to him and needed to concentrate on something else, I don't think that would be, in my experience, that situation just has not panned out very well. But that's a boundary. That's something that's an expectation that I created. So with this baseline of motherhood, from my own mom, those expectations that were set when I was a kid. I look at my experience and yeah, I've taken down a lot of those patriarchal and capitalism values. I have slowed my pace. I have, you know, a lot of uh, self-awareness and self-care. Um, And, you know, we don't have two parents employed. It's only me. And so, you know, my kid is able to be at home. He's never known daycare. He's never had a babysitter. Like, and and the other thing, the other benefit of me not doing stuff and just, like, focusing and being so present with my son is that we are not distracted parents. Like, when we're with him, we are with him. We are present. We are not distracted. We're not busy doing other stuff. And so, you know, that was one thing that was not modeled to me. And also, I did not have parents that were physically fit enough to run around with me or to play with me at all. You know, they weren't really, they didn't really play with me. Whereas we do that a lot with Forrest. So this present parenthood is such a different dynamic to me. Like something that I've just never really seen modeled before I was a mom before Forrest. And it's been the strangest experience. Because I still have this expectation that we should be busy. Maybe not necessarily busy, but, uh, you know, social and having commitments and, you know, doing these mom, mom play dates or having, you know, baby groups. I mean, he's past that age now, but, like, just watch how, if we're outside and Forrest hears a kid voice, he, like, runs towards that kid voice, like, who is this person? Let me play with him. Like, he's so desperate to socialize, you know? And it's totally natural, and we just don't, you know, we're just not set up for that right now. 
so I kind of feel bad for the kid. And also, I know that our way of routine is not sustainable. Like, we should be out more often. So now I am in this place of realizing what my base motherhood expectations were, what COVID motherhood expectations set uh, and kind of programmed for me, and having this conscious awareness of all of these things, now it's my turn to say, okay, what do I want motherhood to look like? Honestly, I want... I want the tribal village. Like, I know they may have probably definitely had trouble with gossip. Huge, big time. But there were just sisters and moms and aunties and grandmas around and, you know, multiple kids. And if mom had to be out working in the field, then there would be, you know, another mom with with a baby who could um, do the breastfeeding for the day. Like women breastfed each other's kids and kids would be from one home to the next or just running around outside. Like there was just this, this natural flow to the rhythm of life and, and no heed for time. You know, these, these, these communities were not time driven, like clock driven. They were, you know, they ran their day by the rising and the setting of the sun, by what the moon was doing, by uh, just this, this cyclical natural living, living in flow with the natural world, with the earth. Um, and so this is what I desire, just like people around if we want, or we can bugger off and not have people around for a bit, but just like kids and moms and sisters and aunties and everybody around you know, having parents be responsible for the kids and only you know, only those two adults is, it, well, I mean, that only started in the industrial age. Before the industrial age, your village, your community raised your child. I mean, you know, look at some of these these city communities in the 20s and the 30s, and it's just kids, you know, kids were kids, and they would run around the little neighborhood, the little community, and you have to call multiple homes before you find out where your kid is. And that was just, you know, the natural flow of things. And in a socially isolated world, we have come so far, so far from that. So I would love to just be on a big piece of land, with a bunch of families working the land, doing like a homeschool co-op for our kids with outdoor learning obstacle course, you know, center and gardens and bees and chickens and and just go back to the earth and 
being able to provide for ourselves. I think grocery stores take away that ability for us to provide for ourselves. So I'm at the train station now and definitely more people will be coming around me. So I'm going to cut this short, but um, those are my thoughts on motherhood. Love to hear yours. If you want to share your experience with me, I'd love to listen. Talk to you later. Bye.